Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome, Good Hope Productions. Yo, Coach Bob, put me in a game. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Unexposed, the semi-scripted podcast where we use sports and entertainment to expose the issue of inequality and give a voice to an often ignored and underserved demographic. Now, it's not all serious talk. There's a lot of fun here. We have conversations, jokes, laughs, and we reminisce about current and old sports and entertainment stories because, hey, we're all one big community here. Now, this is what we do. We use a topic from a scripted scene read by professional actors, followed by commentary with guests who have a special understanding of that particular topic. Hosted by yours truly, former NFL player turned actor, writer, producer, Jarrell Pippins, based out of LA, but from Philly, and co-hosted by the one and only Carl, Coach Bud Patrick, who's a music producer, an inner city youth ambassador, and an assistant football coach at West Philadelphia High School. This is Unexposed. It's Unexposed. It's Unexposed. Exterior football field, day. Players getting off each other after a play had just been completed at practice. Russell Carson, black, 16, punches his teammate, and everyone starts to pull them apart. Coach Perry, 30s, furious with Russell. Hey, Russ, Russell, get your butt over here. Russell jogs over to the sideline and removes his helmet. Russell, what was that? Coach, they keep taking cheap shots after the play. Hey, we got a big game coming up, son. We need everyone. This ain't about you. I know, coach. Now, this is the fourth time we've had this conversation. Russell looks over at his teammates on the field laughing. See, Coach, they know what they're doing. Coach White looks over and sees the guys, but they're laughing at a teammate who's dancing. He puts his hand on Russell's shoulder. Russell, what's really going on? Talk to me, son. That's all, Coach, really. Russell puts his helmet on and heads back to the field. The whistle blows and the running back steps into the A-gap and Russell is there to meet him and takes him down. Everyone is getting up and a receiver pushes Russell. Without hesitation, he starts to fight him. Coach Perry rushes to the field and grabs Russell. Hey, let's go. Russell, annoyed, follows him. I just spoke to you, damn it. I will ask you again, son. What's going on? Russell puts his head down as irritation starts to come over him. Coach, I said I was good. Maybe I need to call home. Like that would help. Coach, don't waste your time. I mean, hey, your parents and I need to have a talk. Russell starts to shake his head and break down in front of his coach. Hey, 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 Russell, Russell. Is everything okay at home? Russell continues to break down even more. Coach Perry pulls out his phone. <clears throat> um, hello? Yeah. Doc? Yes, I have an athlete that needs to come see you ASAP. Are you in still? I'm, I'm sorry, Coach. I just left. Could you have him meet me with me first thing in the morning? Oh, will do. Coach White hangs up the phone and grabs Russell. Hey, 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 Russell. Do you want to be okay, son? Interior Counselor Office, day. Russell is sitting with therapist Dr. Megan Smith, Black, 30s. Russell, it's okay to be open and vulnerable here. No one is going to judge you. Now you've mentioned issues at home with your parents. Russell is still nervous and hesitant, but she has gained his trust. Um, mom, my mom and dad used to 
always fight. Like real physical, throwing punches. You said always? How often? Like um, three, four times a month. Then my best, my best friend. Russell is hesitant as he thinks back. What happened to your best friend, Russell? He was shot and killed right in front of me. Dr. Megan Smith is writing while listening and asking. Anything else you'd like to share, Russell? I had to fight like every other week in my neighborhood during middle school because we moved into a new area. And the kids just kept trying to bully me. Then I spent a short time in the group home system. How do these thoughts make you feel when you're alone? Really down and depressed. And sometimes I, I can't sleep. Do you feel hopeless at times? Yeah, I do. Except when I'm on the field playing, I feel free. Dr. Smith looks at her watch. Okay, Russell, I do have another appointment, but I want to let you know how brave you are for sharing your experiences. Am I going to be okay? Yes, you will. We're just going to prepare more sessions for you and try to get you the help you need, but you're on the right track. Interior, Mr. Smith's office, seven days after the last meeting. Mrs. Smith and Coach Perry sit in the office with Russell. Russell, we have the results back from your sessions, and you've been diagnosed with bipolar disorder? No. No, no, I, I don't. I, I ain't crazy. Hey, 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 Russ, Russ, just listen to her. No one is saying that, Russell. You have to try to understand that you've been exposed to a lot of trauma that's not usual for kids your age. But I can't, I can't help what I was, I was, I was just trying yeah, to- yeah, Russell, 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 we know this ain't your fault, but that's why we're here, son. And you're gonna have a heck of a life, but we have to take precautions. We're gonna continue to have sessions with you so that you can express yourself more, along with helpful medications. And the coaching staff is here to help you too. You living with your grandmother now, along with us supporting you, will make this a whole lot easier. Russell starts to cry. Hey, 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 Russ, go ahead and let it out. But hey, we're your new family now, Russ. We're going to get you to the next level. This is what community is about, Russell. Russell wipes his tears. <clears throat> I, won't, I won't let y'all down. I'll do whatever I need to do to get better. I promise. Fade out. Pedro Luis on stage direction. Lawrence DeShane as Megan. Jamal Henderson as Russell. Jarrell Pippins as Coach Perry. 
and written by Jarrell Pippins and Junior Cadet. What's up, good people? This is Unexposed, semi-scripted podcast, equality worth talking about. And we're exposing some of these inequality issues. You wonder why Kaepernick is still kneeling and you wonder why LeBron or Kaepernick kneeled. I'm sorry. You wonder why LeBron is still front row with all these things. Well, these environments that these guys come from and these women come from, um, there's still a lot of help that is needed. And some people don't have empathy or don't get it, but we're trying to help you to get it. So today is myself, former NFL player, turned actor, producer, extraordinaire, Jarrell Pippins, with my co-host, the man, the myth, the legend, uh, high school football coach at West Philly High, also a music producer, Coach Bub. Uh, his what government up, what name up, what up? Carl Patrick, a.k.a. Coach Bub. You know, he's, he's, he's the, uh, uh, a matriarch. In the uh, patriarch, I'm sorry. In the, uh, I guess you could say, sports and entertainment game in Philadelphia. I'm I'm live from LA right now, and this segment is on mental health. Very important for underserved environments. We don't um, have that as much as our suburban comrades, but we're here to um, uproot some of these things. So first and foremost, we have my sister from another Mister, Dr. Sharice Sadbury. I always tell people she kind of saved my life back in 07, 08, but we'll talk about that later. Um, my brother from another mother, fellow Nebraska black shirt, go big red. Um, I know we're down right now, but we're coming back. Yeah, um, Fabian Washington. Um, Fabian knows I can talk because on the field, I never stopped talking because he was the left corner. And I was, I don't know, Fabian, I was playing nickel, dime, free, whatever the hell position I was playing. <laughs> Remember, sometimes say, I forget what, what wherever we needed you at. Right. I, I, we right. Mean, exactly. I Look, we be in the huddle sometimes, but I'm like, yo, Faye, yo, 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 hold on. What position I'm playing? <laughs> um, then we got clinical therapist Eugene Garman. Eugene is from my neighborhood in West Philly, man. Um, uh, I'll let him tell you, but he, you know, he 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 uh, he almost had me crying in uh, Starbucks, and we'll get into that in a minute. Um, giving me a shout out um, from West Catholic High School, my alma mater. But uh, without further ado, we're going to dig in. Coach Bub is here, and Coach Bub, I know, deals with this issue every day because he's with these kids who have PTSD from the inner city. And for people that don't 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 know, man, let me tell you something. By the time these kids are 18, me, myself included, from West Philly, they have seen so much. And I know Bub agrees that um, oh, yeah. you take a oh, – man, you take a – a 14-year-old in West Philly or East St. Louis or Chicago or Crenshaw or South Central LA, Fifth Ward, Houston, that's basically a 23-year-old man or woman because they've seen so much. So we're going to start off first, ladies first, with Dr. Sharice Sadbury. Sharice, introduce yourself. Tell us what you do, your degrees, et cetera, et cetera. All right. I am a licensed psychologist. I am practicing out of Florida. I also am licensed in um, Kansas and Missouri currently in private practice. I specifically treat uh, eating disorders, anxiety, depression, trauma, um, and I have a specialization in working with athletes, people of marginalized backgrounds, and veterans. All right, I'm sorry, and Sharice is also a Nebraska alum. Yeah. Um, she, she was basically a psychiatrist before she was a physical <laughs> psychiatrist. We'll get into that later, but we're going to introduce second, um, my boy Eugene Garmin. Eugene, tell us who you are, what you do. Um, Eugene Garmin, um, clinical therapist, uh, right here in Pennsylvania, uh, working with, you know, underprivileged, uh, underprivileged community. Uh, I'm also gearing towards working more and specializing with working with athletes. Gotcha. And the last but not least, my fellow Nebraska black shirt, uh, 
fellow NFL alum as well. We actually wore the same numbers, Fabe, all through our careers, college and pro. We did. Yes, we, we did. did. So introduce yourself, Fabe, what you, what you do, uh, where you've been, your NFL career, the whole nine. Um, I'm Fabian Washington, University of Nebraska, uh, first round draft pick of the Oakland Raiders, number 23 pick, uh, Baltimore Raven, and also for a small, when I say bite size, a bite size, like preseason type thing, uh, with the New Orleans Saints. And I, I know that because uh, I was a bite size with now the Washington football team. So I know that. <laughs> so yeah, you were there, but then you know, unfortunately, you had to kind you, of. You you're early. there, but you're not there. Right, right. But I'm not gonna lie. When I get my crib, I'm gonna put the Chargers jersey up. I'm gonna put the Bears jersey up, and I might low key put a put the Washington jersey up. Just hey, we we wore the helmet. I might. I, I'm thinking about it. I, I don't I, think I'm putting the Saints. Got you. Got so um, I'm gonna first start off. I'm, I'm gonna start off this time with, with Bub, um, Coach Bub. You're in West Philly, because um, what, what what dawned on me is Bub. You're a music producer and you're a football coach. And I was listening to some Meek Mill before we started, and Meek t- often talked about his PTSD from jail and the inner city, but how his psychiatrist is music. So Bub, man, you've heard basically people vent. Kids been on the football field and in the studio. Tell us about some of those experiences with the kids that you've seen going through PTSD with mental health, as well as the artists you work with. Well, one one real quick one for football. Uh, one day we had practice. I had a quarterback, um, kind of troubled kid a little bit. You could tell something was going on with him. One day we kind of got into it. He he like you know popped off on me like what what the hell? put his hands all up. And I just looked him in his eyes. I said, look, man, you can go. Go home. So um, he went out the gate. And I noticed at the practice, I saw him standing by the side of the wall. And he said, and he walked up like, can I talk to you, coach? And I'm like, I'm thinking he about to suck a bunch of me. I'm like, young boy. <laughs> so I said, coach. So, 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 so the man inside of me had to kick in. I said, yeah, matter of fact, you can come on inside and talk to me, just me and you. So I brought him into the office. I, um close the door and I said have a seat sit down and he just stood there and I'm like looking at him and he like was like right near me and I'm looking and he just bust out crying wow and so I just walked over and I hugged him and he just bust out like I'm sorry coach I didn't mean to do that man you treat me good man I got a baby on the way blah 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 blah. you know my man just got killed and I'm just like dang Mm. See, a lot of times on the surface, we think these kids just being disrespectful and this or that, but he's dealing with trauma from seeing his homies get smoked. Mm-hmm. Now he got a kid on the way, all that's mm-hmm. going on. On the exterior, it would look like he's just being mm-hmm. a defiant kid. Right. I hugged him after that. We had the best relationship after that. He was actually the guy that if somebody popped off with me, then he would be like, you need me to handle that coach, bug? Right. That's how he ended up with me. And he was our quarterback. So real good kid. And then another, like as far as the studio, I mean, I'm sure you got producers by me working in the studio. I see and hear everything that's going on in the streets. Mm-hmm. It was pretty much Instagram before it even hit Instagram. Like, really, especially in Philly. Right. Um, and you hear a lot of artists. It, I put it like this. Mm-hmm. If I was one of them type of persons to write a book about what I've seen and heard in the studio, it'd probably be a price tag on my head. Wow. 
I can't really say and speak on some things, but what I can say is, is these artists pour a lot of pain in their music. Their pain comes out in that studio. And if you're an engineer, you're a producer, you might see or hear about it. And what you hearing on them songs don't always be who them guys are, man. That's mm. all I'm going to say on that note. Wow. Um, whether it be how tough he is, how many women he get, all these bees, this, these bees, that. A lot of these dudes low-key just want love, man. They want to be loved. Mm. Real. Well, I would never say who. Right. No, no, <laughs> but, no. I mean, that's like me and but, Fabe have seen that D1. I'm sure Fabe has seen in the <laughs> high school and in the league. Man, we... We could write a book, but man, I Faye, we'd probably be, oh my God, black, but like the stuff we have seen and heard in that locker room from people venting, and then they yeah. kind of clear it up for for ESPN or clear it up for, you know, we have PR people, Faye yeah. knows that will school. Get in you. front of it. Yep. Yeah, that that they get in front of it. I've boy, oh my gosh. The stuff, <laughs> Faye, the, the stuff we have swept underneath the rug. <laughs> It's crazy, though, because in a studio, like, you do more than just doing music, just like on the football field. Like, it's days where I had talks with guys where they might have counseled me on some things I was going through. We all go through stuff. Exactly. And, I'm pretty and, sure if everybody knew what I might have vented about, you know what I'm saying? Like, right. we all, and it's like, I done counseled plenty of rappers, singers, whoever, you know, and about things that they were going through and stuff like that. So it's like, this is something, this is an issue that I've been seeing for a very long time. But we never really give weight to it because I know for me, it's this macho thing. You want to be, you know, you want to be the man and you want to be able to handle yourself, right? But handling yourself should be handling that too. Right. But for years, I never even looked at it like that's a part of me being a man and handling my business. And I'm going to tell you that that's what launched Dr. Sharice Sadberry's career. Yes, me and Fabe are going to take credit for that, Sharice. Um, as Nebraska husband. Sharice can write a book. Don't write it, Sharice. Don't do it. <laughs> but, don't ever do it. So don't do it, Sharice. Because um, and, you know, but I'm gonna go before we go into Sharice and how she got into it, I'm gonna go with this to start it off. Um, the, to make sure people think, you know, no, we're not crazy. Dr. Mark W. Mansu, if I'm mispronouncing that, if he's listening, I'm sorry, but a psychiatrist at NYU Medical Center and Bellevue Hospital said this, there is a large and recently growing literature on the myriad physical and mental health effects of economic inequality, poverty, and neighborhood deprivation. Poverty and concentrated urban poverty in particular are especially toxic to growth and development in childhood. Rates of most mental illnesses, including but recently not limited to post-traumatic stress disorder, are higher for those who grew up impoverished. In addition, economic deprivation lowers academic achievement and increases behavioral problems, thus sapping the potential of generations of people. For these reasons, rising inequality and epidemic poverty can and indeed must be viewed as public health crisis. End quote. So it ain't just coming from us. This is um, from one doctor. Now we're going to go to another doctor. Cherie Sadbury, other than me and Fabe and Nebraska Cornhuskers football team launching your career, <laughs> how did you... My dog. Yes, sir. Yes, yes indeed. How did you, our, our, our queen, queen, how did you get into this field? Um, I would say it started with my own, my own trauma and, and working through that, you know, I was significantly depressed. Of course, I didn't know that when I was 15. Um, you know, I didn't realize that until, you know, I was in college and in hindsight, looking at all the symptoms and the things that were going on, but I had my own trauma that I was working through. Um, and so I didn't start working through that until I got to college. 
And at the same time that I was working through that, um, because I was a psych major, I started working at group homes. So working with youth who were abused, neglected, had behavioral issues. Um, I worked in an emergency shelter. So a lot of the kids I was working with were coming in straight from being removed from their homes. Some of them being found on the street, things like that. So, um, so doing that work and healing my own, my own wounds, uh, led me to wanting to do more, wanting to help. Um, and then I met the psychologist that worked with the athletic department. Um, and so he introduced me more and more into what he does with athletes, not just from a mental health stance, but also from a performance stance. Right. And, you know, as athletes, if you perform better, you feel better. Mm -hmm. Um, and so how can we help them with that? So that just, it all just kind of came into effect. And yes, of course, and, you know, Pip and Fabian and all the other guys sat around and talked with me about all their issues and, you know, and, and encouraged me to continue down this path. Um, and so that's, that just led in me going into graduate school and just continuing from there. Right. And for those of you, I'm just going to say um, when I was done with football, like 07, I did go through my depression. Like Fabe talked about his brief run with the Saints. I had a brief run with the Washington football team. And when I got out of it, um, it was like a kind of like a, a jolt. Um, who am I because of my identity? And we'll talk to Fabe about that in a minute, um, you know, going through those things mentally. But uh, without further ado, fellow Philadelphian. Uh, clinical therapist Eugene Garman. Man, Eugene, you from a rough neighborhood. Me and Bub know about it. Um, Fave's been to Philly. Fave played for Baltimore, so he knows Baltimore. Oh, man, that's... Ba yeah. Baltimore and Philly Absolutely. are hand-in-hand. Hand for our That's the listening. annex. Yeah. Yeah, Baltimore and Philly are... <laughs> the same architect. <laughs> Baltimore and Philly hey, are so... Man, injured. oh, man. Fave knows. Fame. I love Baltimore. Yeah, I me love in, Baltimore. The, in the building, the Ravens in the building. But uh, Eugene, how did you get into this field? Oh uh, man, I actually uh, stumbled into it. Um, started working at uh, RTF. That's a residential treatment facility. Uh, a lot of the young men and women that we had there, um, you know, had you know range from a lot of mental disorders. Um, the particular unit that I was working on was with young men. Uh, that came in with uh, oppositional defiant disorder, conduct disorder, uh, you know, straight from straight from around the way, uh, from Baltimore, D.C., Cali, uh, every inner city neighborhood that you could think of across the country. And from working with them at the RTF, uh, I started coaching basketball there. And through coaching basketball, um, it kind of opened up my eyes to, like, how sport kind of just brings everybody together. Mm -hmm. And just from being from 52nd Street and just knowing firsthand, you know, what it means to have a gun in your face, what it means to mm -hmm. not have food in the fridge, what it means to have to go out and, 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 and you know, just try to take care of family by any means necessary. I was really able to relate to a lot of these young men and to tell a lot of these stories. And through that, I was able to kind of say, all right, I want to go further and I want to learn more. And honestly, through my process of, um, you know, going on and acquiring my master's degree, now I'm applying for doctorate studies. Mm. Um, I learned a lot about myself. Right. And I learned a lot about, you know, a lot of the, you know, a lot of the shit that we go through in, 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 the, in the neighborhoods is not normal. So, you know, mm -hmm. losing a friend every other day, that's not normal. You know, seeing somebody get At shot, all. that's not normal. At all. Uh, you know, um, you know, and, and these things that have become normal to us in our neighborhoods, you know, growing up like that, it's just like, wow, man, like, you know, 
this brings on a lot of extra uh, a lot of extra problems for us moving forward. Right. So we're gonna go next. Um, I know. I mean, the NFL and all that. That I mean, everyone knows about that. By the way, Fave ran like a what you ran for a four two nine at the combine four two eight four two nine four two nine. Sheesh. This is the thing, yeah. though. This is the thing That's about that track speed. But but this is the thing about our identity as athletes, Fave. We had a running back running four two. We had another DB running four two. Brother, we. I was. I'm not saying I was the runner of the group. My little four four. And I hold on, yeah. I told Bub the other day there, there was no runs. Right, exactly. There was no runs. You correct. I did my little research though. That I I popped a four three six, um, at mm. at my pro day, and then a four five six. So they equated that to a four four six. So Mm-mm-mm. the thing is though, with that four three six, that was like oh sh- oh snap, because you and all the other DBs were popping four, three, you know, we, we were going to get each other every day, but that was our identity. We, we was, as Dion would say, we was dogs. That was, that was our everything. Absolutely. I mean, so you trying went, to tell me y'all had an Olympic four by one. We kind of did. That's an Olympic four by one. That's an Olympic four by one. We were fast. Um, we, we were fast. We were yeah. fast. Uh, that would have been uh, Willie Amos, who was a corner slide safety four, Which two. probably is the fastest one out of the bunch. Out of the bunch. Whoa. Yeah, this guy's honestly. Wait, hold on. And, and Willie was also a, a double Dutch world champion. Champions. What? World champion yes. double champion. Dutch. Yes. Who he could jump rope like no other. But I talked to Willie too. Willie went through this too. The identity. Willie was a double jumps world champion, four two all day, three hundred hurdler. Jesus. But then he had the transition into the real world. That was our group every day, ladies and gentlemen. Four Dang. twos, four threes, four oh fours. And I mean, we when I tell you we was getting it. For three, four mm. years, Bub, mm. I can't tell you what was harder: track practice, because I was a two-sport athlete, or football practice. Mm. You know, so Fabe. With all that being said, talk to us about because Fabe, I'm gonna be real with you, bro. You're like an expert on mental health to a degree because our conversations. Yes, we're we're two black men from single-parent homes. When me and Fabe talk, I mean, we talk our talk, you know, like men do, but we talk a lot about mental health. All right. Fabe, what got you into mental health um, during football, post-football? Man, with me, it was pretty much, I'm telling you, it was me. Mm. I didn't know anything but football. That's all I knew in my whole life is football. And when that got taken away from me, it was huge. It was mm-hmm. huge. It's like, I, I can say taken away or... I gave it away. Right. Because at times I didn't work as hard as other people. You've been around me, JP. Right. At one point in time in my life, I was just gifted. Yeah. It's like, hey, I'm just, hey, I'm gonna play, I'm gonna show up, and I'm gonna ball. Out. I'm gonna give you a quick fade testimony. We we out there, it's Fade's first game ever against Arizona State. First snap ever in the history of college football. Fade was a freshman, true freshman. They put him out there. I'm out there at safety. I'm second string. Fabe second string at the time. So we get mop-up time because we're killing him. Fabe go out there. I think it was like, uh, it was Robber. That was our that was our base three. It was, a, it was a cover three for people that don't know Robber. Fabe lines up first play ever in college football history and picks the ball off for a 50-yard pick six touchdown. Am I mm-hmm. correct? About 55. Yes. Right. So wow. we always call Fabe the spoiled brat. He, he get out there. Might not even know the play. 
gonna take him. <laughs> Am I lying, Fed? <laughs> you're not lying. But go ahead, fam. I'm gonna let you go ahead. Keep up, Fed. Go ahead. Go ahead. You're you're not lying. Right, but what happened to me was um just like you said, I've been a spoiled brat my whole freaking life when it comes to uh football. Coaches treat me different. Players treat me different. And then when that got taken away around like 2012, I still remember. Uh, 2011 was my last year. 2012 was really when it set in. 2012, 2013, it set in that, hey, you're not playing football anymore. Hey, forget about it. Hey, if, you have, if you've been out of that league for over a year, you're not going back. Mm-hmm. It's just that simple. You're not going back. And I got in a phase where I was, I'm living good, got a lot of money, uh, single. I was like, I have no worries in the world, what some people would say. Mm-hmm. But in my head, you know, the only thing I wanted to do was blow my fucking brains up. Mm-hmm because I lost what I love the most. Mm-hmm. I lost it. I lost it. And it probably was because of me that I lost it. Like, I still remember. I'm in, I'm in my condo, downtown Orlando, and I'm trying to figure out a way, how can I get this shit over with? Mm. How can I get it over with? The only good thing out of the whole that weekend was my gun was at my mom's house. Mm. Literally. We wouldn't be having this conversation right now. Right. You know what I mean? I was ready because I lost what the thing that I love the most. I have a now think life has changed and I'll talk about that later. But at the time, the thing that I love most was football. Mm. That's what I knew how to do. That's what I was great at. Hey, like Meek say, are they going to still love you when you leave the game? In in my words, in my words, not his words. Yeah, paid in full. I don't want to say it how he said it. Yeah, yeah, paid in full. Yeah. The movie. Them pretty girls going to steal. You know what I'm saying? Right, yeah. Yeah. So with that, it was like I was going through something, man. I went through I didn't answer my phone for like a week and people would call. I would see the phone calls pop up and my mom would call. Everybody like, hey, check it on Fave, whatever, whatever. And they called downstairs to my desk at one point. Uh, my mom called downstairs at, uh, to, to the desk of my building uh, one time. And that's when I had to answer the phone because I know for a fact they either going to unlock the door or they're going to bust open the door to see if I'm okay. Right, right. It's just that simple because I'm not responding to anybody's phone calls, anybody's texts, anybody's anything. I was just going through something, man, and and it it really hurt, man. I, I'm going to be real with you. It hurt. Like, not playing football, and that's why I'm so happy to see all these professional athletes starting to come out with their mental depression, their depression that, mm-hmm. hey, let regular people know, not even saying reg- let people know that, hey, we all go through this. We right. all go through it. Yep. It's not a it's not a you thing. It's not a me thing. We all go through mm-hmm. it. And I went through it real hard, man. I'm telling you, hey, 
I'm so glad I married the person I did marry because right. she keeps me sane. I swear to God, she does. Give it up for the queen. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. So um, with that, I'm going to bounce it back to Dr. Sharice. What, when you got out into the real world of being a full-fledged psychiatrist, you're a full-fledged doctor, you're out there, even though I was your guinea pig, Sharice, you know that, because in uh, 07, 08, it was you I was talking to. I remember Fabe, Fabe helped me out a lot. Fabe said, Pip, I always knew you was bigger than football, bro. I know you're going through it right now. You, you're bigger than football. That stuck with me. And then your, your, your tool that you gave me stuck with me, because at the time, another therapist told me, athletes die two deaths. And it's not just athletes. I'm looking at social media. You know, you got teenagers out here killing themselves over social media, over these fake butts and fake, you know, what, or what have you. So, Sharice, what goes, what went into your development as a psychiatrist? What are some of the good, the bad, and the ugly you've seen as you were coming in that you were like, whoa? You mean in terms of clients and what they're going through? I guess, Klein, yeah, without, I, I know you had to um, maintain integrity with that, but w- what are some of the things that you use to get people through in some of the horror stories that you've seen? Even, yeah, if regular, think, even, if, even with regular everyday people, not just athletes. Yeah, I mean, it's all the same. I mean, I think that everybody's trauma and depression, it comes from different things, but at the end of the day, what they're feeling is, is the same. It's just mm-hmm. a different root cause for it. Um, I mean, I think the hardest thing like Fabian talked about is the the suicidal ideation. I mean, that's always going to be the hardest thing that you see that comes in and, Mm -hmm. and dealing with that. You know, I I fortunately have not had a client that has died by suicide, but I had a student um, that I found out a year later died by suicide Mm -hmm. um, that was in my class. And I had a friend that died by suicide my senior year of high school. I was suicidal for almost 10 years. I woke up every day angry that Mm -hmm. I woke up. You know, so, I mean, I think the hardest thing is, is that because what you're trying to do is pull someone out of this tunnel vision of that. There's no resource that's going to change how I feel right now. Mm-hmm. Like there's no belief that there's anything else out there that can help me or make me feel better. And so there's that hopelessness around that, um, you know, and our training is to help people see whatever little glimmer of light that they can do, you know, whatever we can do, even if it's just to sit and be with them so that they know that they're not alone, mm-hmm. um, because that's what they're feeling in those moments is that they're alone and there's nothing else and there's nothing better. And I can't get out of this. It's never going to change. Right. And so whatever we can do to try to help them mm-hmm. understand that people are going to be there and people love them, um, is that part, you know, I mean, I think at the end of the day, and in terms of with athletes, you know, when I work with athletes, one of the things I try to do is be as preventative of that as we can be. Um, when I work with high school and collegiate athletes, especially, and, and now working with pro athletes, you know, I talk a lot about that. You have got to see yourself as something other than just an athlete, you know, mm. and unfortunately, a lot of our younger generation now, you know, they are, they're streamlining them into one sport. So if they don't make it in that one sport that they've always only played when they were three years old, they have no idea who they are outside of that. And so I I try to encourage them to start to develop those pieces outside of that, because what what happens is if something gets goes wrong in that game or the sport or they get an injury or whatever, they go from here to all the way to the bottom. Right. When you have other identities developed, then you can, it's, it creates a buffer. So the sport doesn't just become the only thing that who you are, that you mean more 
to yourself, you mean more to the world than that. So a lot of it's working on kind of helping people just see who they are as human beings and not just by one identity alone. Right. And I can say to that point, to your point of Fabian's point, I'm going to be honest with you. Storytelling um, saved my life because I found my niche. I found my love. Fave knows we've been playing video games. Fave, you remember maybe, you know, sitting around having a few cocktails. I'm always reading, always reading a magazine, Absolutely. always. Hey, man, did y'all know that Jay-Z? Because all we had was the source. Fave, you remember? That's all yeah. we had yeah. around. Back in and the day. Fave, you had and the Fave source. knows we, you broke in college. So, Fade, we it watched broke. so many movies. It wasn't even funny. And I'm not being broke in college kind of helped me because we watched so many movies that I'm like, hold on. I kind of like this. So I had to, for me, Sharice helped me to go back off of skill sets outside of football, some that I maybe accumulated during football. But in addition to sports, um, the PTSD from the inner city, I'm going to take it to Eugene. Eugene, man, you're from 52nd and Market. For people who don't know, 52nd and Market is very rough. Um, Bob knows if you have to go to 52nd and Market and catch the 52 bus, it's 50-50. 50-50, you're going to get stuck up. 50-50, you're going to make it on the bus um, without getting stuck up. Um, that's why I learned how to lift weights at the YMCA on 52nd Street. A lot of business commerce and illegal commerce. Let's keep it 100, Eugene. So, Eugene, <laughs> let's keep it 100. Yeah, your faith is in West Philly. But, uh, you know, but, <laughs> but Eugene, how do you deal with clients who have such extreme PTSD? Because I'm going to get this before you talk. I buried three friends before I was 18. You know, I'm going to be honest with you. I've seen two men walk out of my life before I was seven, eight. Um, I grew up across the street, one, two, three, four, five, it was about six drug dealers in close proximity to me right across the street. They basically helped raise me, you know, cause you don't tell your mom everything. So I didn't know that wasn't normal. So I got to Nebraska, <laughs> you know, and Fabe could probably attest to that. Like, damn, this is normal. Just a nice sunny day. You know, <laughs> nobody yeah, trying to come after me. Nobody's trying to kill you. Cause Eugene, I got into a big, I got into a big fight on 46 in market. Um, right before this is no, I got into a fight three weeks later. Nebraska recruited me. I knew darn well. I said, I'm going to Nebraska. I get the hell out of here because it's not normal to get into this fight and guns are pulled. Cops asking me questions. People are expelled. I had to be escorted to school and from school. I'm 17. This, I have, I have pimples on my face, guns and gang and not gang. You know, we don't have gangs in Philly, but I knew something ain't, something ain't regular about this. But I'm sitting here 17 dealing with questions from cops, guns, or what have you. How do you, Eugene, handle the PTSD with kids that you experience or people that you experience from the inner city? Uh, first thing for me, just work on the relationship, just relationship building and allowing them to, uh, allowing us to build a rapport inside the counseling relationship. And, and then from there, just honestly, just allowing them to tell the story. Um, I also noticed that with the PS, PTSD work, it's a lot of grief work as well, because it's a lot of unresolved grief. So in, in dealing with the grief and just building on the relationships, we also uh, kind of work on uh, uh, reframing thoughts. And honestly, I started working more and more with um, meditation. Mm. And just allowing allowing kids to kind of and allowing them, you know, not even just the kids, but just allowing my clients to kind of like, all right, 
let's work with the thought. Let's try to understand the thought. And then we can kind of go into where is this stuff coming from? And just how how do you how do you react to certain situations? Because trauma work is nothing that's quick. It's is is long, is 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 detailed, it's it's uh it's an investment. So and knowing that is just a lot of just uncovering and, and just unsheathing a lot of what has happened in the person's life and then how did that trauma affect them? And then all right, when you're in certain situations, how do you think you're supposed to act? How do you think you're supposed to respond? Uh, how is what has happened to you related to what's going on right now? And what's the best way to respond in, in certain environments? Got you. And Coach Bub, um, you're dealing with a combination of the Eugenes and the Fabes because you're frontline with rap artists. I'm going to even say R&B artists. I heard, uh, who's the latest album that dropped, Bub? R&B artists. Um, uh. Female. Uh, oh, Jasmine Sullivan. Jasmine Sullivan. Something that joint dope. I was listening to that today. Oh, that dog. If that, that first song, that bodies. Jimmy Christmas. Sharice, I, I apologize for his men. I, I learned a lot about women from that album. Um, so, Bub, how do you you have Eugene slash Fabians you deal with every day with the with the with the sports identity and the street mm-hmm. identity? But how do you deal with it? Because I'm gonna be real with you, Fabe. I'm going to tell you, Fabe, I didn't realize how good of fathers that our coaches were until I got out in the real world. With me and Fabian had a defensive backs coach from the south side of Chicago. I lied to you not. Yes, sir. Me and Dusty. Tell you, Dusty, we call him Dusty, Marvin Sanders, probably saved our careers. To have somebody from our Absolutely. element come into our locker room and understand a Fabian, a Jarrell Pippins, a, 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 a Josh and Daniel Bullock from, um, they're from Chattanooga, Tennessee, if I'm correct, Chattanooga, the, the Bullock twins. And to understand um, Lornell McPherson from North Omaha, for people don't know North Omaha is the hood, um, Bloods, Cribs, Vice Lords, whatever. Man, with a coach like that, that helped me, Fabian, and us so much who can connect. Because honestly, some coaches try to connect, but you can't connect to what you don't know. But how do you connect with these kids and these rap artists when you're doing what you do with all this PTSD and mental health? Um, I'm going to deal with the music first. With the music, um, a lot of stuff is, I would say, cookie cutter nowadays. It's like, I'm going to make 30 beats. I send them to you. You're going to pick and you're going to record to it and send it back done. Mm-hmm. I'm a man of a certain age. So when we used to do music in the 90s, which is telling my age, <laughs> the artist would come to the studio and you just hang out and vibe with them. As kids say vibe now, I got that word from my dad. Right. They were saying that back in the day. Vibe, you just catch a vibe. You just you, your dad was sit around. Dad he was, was a jazz musician, right? So you would sit around. You would just really do regular stuff, drink, talk. And somebody might just start humming something or playing. I might, you know, I play keys, so I might start just messing around on the keys or something. If I'm with an R&B artist, and then I'll start playing something. And then my boy Jay used to write songs with me, and he'd be like, he'd be like, hold up, dirty, because they call me Big Dirty. He'd be like, right there, dirty, stop. And I'm like, what? He'd be like, play that chord again, and I start playing it, mm-hmm. and then he'll start humming something, and then the singer will start singing what he humming, but words. And then it just start coming together and I hit the MP and I start recording. Right. And then it's on from there. And five minutes later, I got a bass line, drums, keys, synth over it, and it's done. It normally don't take me no more than about literally 10 minutes to make a beat. 
Mm. Literally. Like every instrument that I want, formatted, drums, mm. everything. Ten minutes. No lie. So that's how I would normally connect. Just vibing. If it's a female singer, they're a little bit more in depth. You got to kind of see how their mind works. You got some female writers that want to write about upliftment and this and that, natural hair, whatever. You got some artists that might want to talk some freaky. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So they might want some Jodeci slash Stevie J slash, you know, bad boy type stuff. Right. So you got to kind of see, meet them where they're at a little bit. And the same with football. For me, with football, I kind of sort of try to get to know what they like. You got to find out what they like. What's their interest? What are they into? It can't always just be football, football, football. It really can't. Um, one, one tool I'm using nowadays is I play 2K. I just started playing it through the pandemic online. I never played online ever. But I play 2K and I actually got good at it. Like I said, I'm going to get good at this. Because then now the kids can look like that. You know, that's what they into. Dad, Coach Bud, good. And they start playing with me, joining the parks and the teams. And I get to have regular, normal conversations with them, almost as a peer, but they still respect me as, that's Coach Bud. And I let them go. I don't don't censor them. I don't be like, man, don't be cursing. Mm -hmm. I just, I said, look, I'm on y'all playground. Right, right. Get down. Don't, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm on here, but I'm SB Bud 56. That's my gamer tag. Anybody want to pull up that's listening, SB, Bub, 56, pull up, you'll get dropped off any day. But anyway, that's, that's how I connect with these kids to, of today. And, and to be honest, you'd be surprised at what you hear when you just listen. Let them talk. Let them, let them, let them be themselves. And you'd be surprised that they come out and you'll learn so much about them. So that's how I've been connecting that way outside of just get on the field. I need you to give me 10 bear crawls and no. No, you got to actually, these kids have to feel like you actually care. Right. Right. So that's my method now. I I use 2K. I find out what music they like once they do find out that I do music because I don't really talk about it a lot. But when they do find out like that, Coach Bub, you did a song with Jay-Z. It's like, yeah, I did. And it's just like, but you right here. And I'm like, yeah, I'm right here. And then I got to explain to them about the whole reason why. You know, I used to live out in North Hollywood. We was all out there together. Right, right. But they just can't believe, like, why would you leave all of that to come here to help us? Right. That's how they look at it. You know what I'm saying? So it's just... Well, for people wild. that don't know, Bob turned down record deals to basically come home and be his mom's caretaker who was diagnosed with stage four cancer. So he did the man thing, came home, took care of his mom, and eventually gravitated... Um, back towards music and then say, you know what, let me, because I think your therapy was helping out the kids. Am I correct dealing with that? Absolutely. That was, listen, man, That to this day, and I always tell the kids this, I'm like, listen, y'all feel like I'm y'all strength, but y'all my strength. I'm like, every mm-hmm. time one of y'all graduates or whatever y'all do, I'm like, man, that gives me a reason. Um, I just, I'm a person that truly believes that you can't keep making withdrawals from the universe and don't make any deposits. Mm. You just can't. You just can't. People talk about being God-like and fearing God. And I feel like I could go to a synagogue, a masjid, a temple every week faithfully. And on the outside, oh, he's a devout Christian. But what what are you really doing? Mm. How many lives are you changing? That's what Jesus did. Mm. What are you really doing? 
You help anybody, you help that person change that flat tire that was in distress? Or did you ride by listening to your music in comfort? Right. People want to be Christ-like. I'm trying to be Christ-like. Mm-hmm. I care about people. That's what the first thing Christ did. Care about people. Try to reach people. Try to speak positivity and love in the people. So that's just my viewpoint on a religious standpoint of it because God blesses me every day that I'm alive. Right. So that's just my viewpoint. Right, right. So with, I know with, with Fabe, and I know Sharice played basketball as well. Fabe, you had your escape, which was football, Sharice, basketball. We all were able to, to, to go on to college or what have you. But I was listening to um, Eugene. This question is for you. I was listening to your podcast. Shout out to your podcast, Nobody's Therapist. And I know you said things like, um, which I still abide by, um, manifesting and limiting people's access, changing your environment, um, um, changing who you hang out with. But I can, Eugene, would you, what would you tell to a 14, 18-year-old, even a, a young adult? Our older adult who can't financially afford to get outside their environment, they're in that environment every day. You know, me and Fabian go to football practice and use the scholarships to get out. Sharice can use her talent to get out. What would you tell a young man or young woman who you're saying this and I hear you, but what if they can't get out their environment financially and they're just younger or stuck in, the, in that environment? What do they do to get away? Oh, man. First, um, well, first I'm telling them to look at what positive resources you may have around you right now. And let, let's just start focusing in on that. And when it comes to thoughts, you have to start focusing in on what is right and what's, what's, what, what can you list that's going good for you right now? Because, all right, there's a whole lot of negative going on. There's a whole lot of negative going on around you. You might not be able to escape this environment. I get that. I understand that. But let's start focusing on what can we be grateful for? What can you start focusing on that is positive? And I, honestly, I, I journal a lot. I have them journal a lot. I'm big on journaling. So I may have somebody just say, hey, look, write down three positives that's going on with you right now. Give me three people that as a positive outlet or a positive resource for you right now that you could turn to and say, hey, I got an issue. Or, hey, can I come and help you do something? You know, uh, I had one kid, grandfather had a garden. Help him with the garden. I had another kid who liked dogs, uh, liked animals. Found out, hey, I hooked him up with working volunteer at the animal shelter. And this is a kid who didn't have any food in the refrigerator, mom in and out all the time. But you know what? He loved that hour or two that he had at the animal shelter. Mm-hmm. So writing a gratitude list and just finding, all right, what are three or four resources that you may have available for you right now by focusing on the positives instead of the negatives that you can go to and rely on as of right now to kind of help you escape what the current circumstances are. Got you. So let's bounce it back to Fabe. Fabe, we use we use sports to get us out into a degree. Um, Sharice did because I know Sharice was um playing basketball at the time. Fabian, when you came into your your period of, of depression after football was over, how did you go about seeking help? How did you go about calling a a colleague of Dr. Sharice or a colleague of Eugene? How did you go about seeking help? 
Man, I'm glad you asked me that, though, JP, because I feel like us, specifically as black men, we don't do it mm-hmm. at all. We talk it's like you. we feel like we can get through anything in the world. We right. feel like we supermen. You know what I mean? And with me, yes, I definitely feel like I'm Superman. I swear I do. But it came to a point where I had two kids at this point. Mm-hmm. And it's like, is their life gonna be better without me or with me? Wow. I had to, to juggle that. That was that was huge for me because I felt like fuck it. I don't give a fuck no more. Hey, I can be gone. And I still remember calling my wife. It was a night. Mm-hmm. I was at downtown uh, Orlando at Corona. If you ever been to uh, Orlando, everybody know what Corona is. It's a cigar bar. The be- probably the best cigar bar on the face of the planet. But I'm I'm there and I'm smoking a cigar, having a couple drinks, and I just start crying. Mm-hmm. And I was like, damn, bro. Like, what the fuck? And I'm thinking to myself, why are you crying? Like, I'm crying because I had literally got to my wits end. Like, I'm like, I try to do everything in the world right. I try to do everything in the world for people. And some of this stuff isn't being reciprocated to me. And I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. And I called my wife and I was like, hey, I love you. I don't know if I'm going to be home mm. at all, but I love you. She was, and, and she was like, what you talking about? I'm like, I'm just telling you I love you. And I sat there for about another hour or so at, at uh, Corona and was just like, what are you going to do, Faith? What are you going to do with your life? Mm-hmm. Or, or, or are you going to pull this trigger? Because at that time, I did have the gun on me. Because I keep one on me. So it's like, now nah, I keep one on me. So it's like, are you are you going to pull the trigger? Or or you going to go home and try to figure this thing out? And I was at the point of literally pulling the trigger. And one of my best friends never popped up on my phone. I haven't I hadn't talked to him in probably like a month or two and I seen him pop up on the phone. And I, I already knew my wife had to call him. Like, hey. Mm-hmm. And I answered the phone and we talked. And I I still to this day I think that saved my life. Because I was mm-hmm. I was ready. I was ready to be gone. It's like I I go through through I've been through so much stuff and go through so much stuff that I was just like at a point where man fuck this shit man mm-hmm. just fuck it like hey y'all get what y'all got y'all fight y'all fight over what, what y'all gonna have to fight over when I'm gone but I'm not gonna be here no more and like he explained to me my daughter at my oldest at the time I think she was eleven. Because I think, yeah, it was about two years ago. She was 11. I was like, Fabe, are you really going to leave her out here by yourself? You're going to leave uh, your little one out? She was one at the time. Leave them out there by yourself, by themselves. And I had to think about that. 
as a man, you got to think about that. Like, hey, you can't leave them baby girls out there by themselves to fend for themselves. Hell no. Not me. I'm, I'm a grown-ass man. I know I, hey, let, let me deal with this. I'm, hey, and, I, and, and still to this day, I'm going to put that pressure on my shoulders. But them girls, they ain't going to deal with nothing. Mm-hmm. Like, my oldest daughter, she don't deal with nothing. My youngest daughter, she don't deal with nothing. Because daddy got it at the end of the day. Right. Daddy got it. At the end of the day, daddy going to always have it. Gotcha. I make sure my kids have everything in the world, not that they need, that they want. I ain't bust my ass for no reason. Right. You see what I'm saying? Like, I ain't bust my ass for them to uh, struggle for nothing. Right. Hell no. If, if, if I did everything I did and they still got to struggle at the end of the day, I feel like I failed in life. I failed. I failed. Right. So with with that, I'm saying, like, literally, I just, it was a conversation with one of my, one of my best friends that they, that that brought me to the light and said, "Hey, Faye, you need to be here. You need to be here to, for them. Hey, whatever you got to go through while you're here, you just got to go through that." And after that, I reached out to the NFL and they got me a therapist that I love to 